worship pastor here at New Beginnings. And my name is Roxy de Santiago, and I just hang out with Michael Romero. She's actually a worship leader here. (laughs) But church, we want to welcome you. And as you're continuing to make your way in, just kind of settling in at home, and even here in the house, we just want to catch you up on a couple of things. Two really important events that we want to talk to you about tonight. Roxy, help us out. So the first important event is Christmas Eve candlelight service. There will be a Christmas Eve service here at the church. Um, Christmas is really about the birth of Jesus Christ. It's important to put Christ at the center of it. So we hope that you all will join us on Christmas Eve to bring in the holiday uh, with the right uh, mentality and the right spirit. It will be here at the church on December 24th, obviously Christmas Eve at 6 p.m. So I hope to see you all there. We're going to keep it nice and short and sweet. So we're going to be here from 6, and we're going to let you go home at 7. Uh, our pastor will not be long-winded that evening. And I know most of you are going to need a service time that night because you'll be doing your last-minute shopping, and you're going to need the presence of the Lord after all of that. Amen. 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 I know it. I know I, I did a little bit of shopping myself today, and it, I need it tonight. I'll the tell you The presence of the Lord after the traffic. That's <laughs> what we need. That's right. So don't forget, December the 24th, and if you happen to have family from out of town, please bring them with you. And an important note to add to our December 24th service, are, it's a candlelight slash communion, but also we want to let you know there will be no child care because Christmas is all about what? Familia. The family. And so we want all of the family, everybody together here uh, for Christmas Eve, everybody participating. So there will be no child care on the 24th. So bring the kids. It's going to be okay. Um, Don't worry about them running around. We can deal with that. Um, But we want to make sure that you guys uh, participate in that. Bring your family. Bring the kids. Okay? And then, very important note. Hey, Roxy, do me a favor. Bring this awesome picture up for me. Um. This is a picture of our sister Susan Wood. Do you guys remember Sister Susan? Yeah, she used to play keyboards for us. She went home with the Lord a couple of months ago. And Sister Susan Wood, we're going to be showcasing this picture on uh, December the 29th. That's going to be our memorial service, our remembrance service, our lights of remembrance service. And if you have a picture, maybe like this one, or an 8 by 10 or a 5 by 7 that you want to memorialize a loved one. It doesn't have to be that you lost them in 2020 or 2021 or it's not a COVID service. If you lost somebody 30, 40 years ago, 20 years ago, and they just meant so much to you and you just you just want to memorialize them and remember them, invite your friends and family to do so with you. We're going to have a special light, Lights of Remembrance service that night. It's going to be Wednesday, December 29th here at the church. It's at 7 p.m., so it's going to be like our regular midweek service but with a candlelight and communion service in remembrance of our loved ones that have gone on before us. And uh, we're going to have some tables set up here on our platform, and we're just going to remember them. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, sometimes people pass away a long time ago, sometimes a short time ago, but they always, when they leave a lasting impression on your life, it's important to <clears throat> honor them and in a beautiful way, right? So we hope that you will join us because we know that all of us have people that we have loved that we have had to let go. That's right. So we want to make sure that you guys participate in that and you bring your friends and family along with you, okay? All that being said, church, right now, um, we just want to say thank you so much for participating. Our December events have been amazing. God's Warehouse wants to, wants to express their gratitude and their thanks so much for everything that you have done. Can we please give a round of applause to our congregation? You guys have just knocked it out of the park. 
with donations of blankets and toys to the homeless, with God's warehouse, what we've done for Angel Tree, all of this possible because of your faithfulness and your tithing and you being a part of the life of the church. Thank you so much. And if you want to continue to do that, you can continue to be a part of the life of the Church of New Beginnings or if you want to start to be a part of the life of New Beginnings in that way. You can do so by giving at NBCABQ.com forward slash give, NBCABQ on the App Store or Google Play Store, or you can do it by text messaging the number right behind me. You have the graphics uh, in front of you at home as well. If you want to continue to do that, we invite you to do so. Or if you want to give just a cash donation, you can also do that by going out and just grabbing an envelope from the bistro tables outside and dropping them off at one of the tithing boxes at the entryways in and out of this uh, sanctuary, okay? Thank you so much, church, for everything that you guys have done. December has been an amazing, amazing month. Don't forget that January the 2nd, just jumping ahead a few more days, is going to be our baptism day. Okay, starting off the new year in, in a way of baptism, in, in, in a, a whole brand new way of living and expressing an outward change, or rather an outward expression, rather of an inward change, starting the new year. So if you have not considered yet getting baptized please consider doing so. And if you have considered it, please sign up. You can also do that at the New Beginnings website or the app, and you could just sign up online, okay? That being said, we want to invite our sister Debbie. Sister Deb, why don't you make your way up? And so she can give uh, our weekly Advent reading. Thank you, church. Good evening, church. Tonight we light our fourth Advent candle. This candle represents peace. It has been said, sometimes God calms the storm, and sometimes he lets the storm rage and he calms his child. Praise God. His peace goes on beyond our understanding. Psalms 27, 1 through 6, and the voice says, the eternal is my light amidst my darkness and my rescue in times of trouble. So whom shall I fear? He surrounds me with the fortress of protection, so nothing should should cause me alarm. When my enemies advance to devour me alive, they trip and fall flat on their faces in the sand. When the armies of the enemy surround me, I will not be afraid. When death calls for me in the midst of war, my soul is confident and unmoved. I am pleading with the eternal for this one thing, my soul's desire to live with him all the days in the shadow of his temple, to behold his beauty and ponder his ways in the company of of his people. His house is my shelter and secret retreat. It is there I find peace in the midst of the storm and turmoil. Safety sits with me in the hiding place of my God. He will set me on the rock high above the fray. God lifts me high above those with thoughts of deceit that call for my life. I will enter his presence offering sacrifices and praise in his house 
I am overcome with joy as I sing, yes, and as I play music for the eternal alone. Let us pray. We thank you, God, for loving us and sending us your Son that we might be saved. Father, we are forever grateful. Amen. Will you stand with us, church? Sister Lights, our fourth pendle. Lord, it's so amazing to be in your presence tonight. We shout out your praise, Lord, as we breathe in your grace, together in your name. Amen. Hey, church, why don't you just take a quick second to greet one another.
is to you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Lord. It's right, man. Thank you, Lord. It's so good. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Come on now, church. Let's put our hands together. We're going to sing this out from the depth of our soul. Come on, sing. I raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemy. I raise a hallelujah louder than the unbelief. Come on and sing, I raise. I raise a hallelujah. My weapon is a melody. Yes, it is. I raise a hallelujah. Come to fight for me. 
praise offering tonight. Yes, raise it up. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Lord. We raise it up, Lord, because you are worthy of it. You're worthy of our praise. You're worthy of our adoration. And so we surrender to you tonight, Lord. We want to be still. We want to be still, Lord. The song says that we need a fresh anointing. But Lord, we know that sometimes we don't stay still in long enough, Lord, to receive that anointing. We chase our man-made dreams and our man-made wishes. Lord, we want to stay still and listen to your voice. Lord, we need a fresh anointing, the power of your presence over our lives. Lord, let us be still in your presence tonight as we sing this, Lord, to you. We need a fresh wind of your spirit. In Jesus' name. Come on and sing it. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. Rush.
Oh, Heavenly Father, we want the fragrance of heaven, the fragrance of heaven, to walk into a room and people say, I smell love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I smell the fruit of the Spirit. I smell the fragrance of heaven. Oh, Lord, we love you so much. And God, I pray that tonight everyone can smell the fragrance of heaven. That they'll know that, Lord, you are right here. Whether you're in this room or online and in their house, God, I pray that you reveal yourself to us and you show us the fragrance of heaven, the presence of your holiness, the goodness of your love. Father God, I pray that everyone here tonight experience, Lord God, a move of your Holy Spirit. Lord, there's people that are broken. They're broken because their marriage is coming to an end. They're broken because they don't know what the future holds. They're broken because they're just fearing the unknown. Father God, they're nervous. They don't want to be worried, but they're worried. Because they don't know what's going to happen to their children. They don't know what's going to happen, Father God, to their sons or daughters, father or mother. They don't know what's going to happen in their job. They don't know, Father God, if they're going to have a job going into the new year. They don't know, Father God, what's going to happen and when they get the report from the doctor. They don't know what's going to happen, Father God, when they go get those x-rays or those tests done. Father God, but you know and I pray that right now you strengthen everyone and you empower them with the presence of your spirit and you take care of all their need. And Father God, you remove all anxiety and all worry and all fear and you just pour out your peace, love and grace. Father God... Release your power among us, within us. Father God, I pray for our country. I pray, Father God, for our state. I pray for our county and our city. I pray, Father God, that, Lord, you would have your will and your way in this city, the city of Albuquerque. That, Father God, this would be known as a city of peace, not of panic, not of violence, 
but a city of peace, a city of hope, a city of new beginning. Father God, I pray that, Lord, the Christians rise up and share the fragrance of heaven every place they go. That, Father God, it's going to change the atmosphere. It's going to change the environment. It's going to change and transform lives. Father God, we're believing this for our schools, for the staff, for the children. We're going to believe this, Father God, in our courts. We're going to believe this in our county and city and jails and our prisons. We're going to believe this for families that are hurting because their loved ones incarcerated. We're going to believe this, Father God, for the incarcerated worrying about their families. Father God, we're just going to believe you to do such a mighty work, Father God, that, Lord God, nothing's going to lack because you're the God of more than enough. So, Father God, I pray that you heal the brokenhearted. You heal the wounds that people have come in here with tonight. That, Father God, they're ready to call it quits. They're ready to just end it all. Some even considering suicide. But, Father God, I pray that you break that mindset and you show hope and love and grace And, Lord, a new beginning. We thank you, Lord, for all these things. And we pray in the mighty name of Christ our Lord. That, Lord, you pour out the fragrance of heaven upon us. And we pray this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen and amen. Praise the name of the Lord. Sing it out again. Turn to your neighbor and say, God's blessings upon you tonight and always. Say, God's blessings upon you tonight and always. And then you may be seated. I pray that you receive that blessing. That you receive that love and that mercy. Pastor Mike told you where all the giving boxes are so as we take our tithe. Many of you have already dropped them in there. Or you can text to give, use our app, or go online. And thank you again for your faithfulness. We had a lot, a lot of gifts that we gave out. We gave out over uh, 400 gifts just to the Angel Tree kids here in Albuquerque and also in Clovis, New Mexico. We sent a team out there Saturday night and Sunday. They were giving gifts out in Clovis uh, with a sister church out there. And Pastor Chuck, they gave out 500 pairs of shoes and tons and tons of toys and food. This year, our church 
has distributed over one million pounds of food to our community. One million pounds of, that's like, I'm like, really? They go, yeah, over one million pounds. And thank you guys that have volunteered. Michael and Jeanette have led that. Thank you guys and amazing volunteers that come and just pour themselves out and, and to our community. I want to remind you, this Friday, guess what it is? Christmas Eve. At 6 p.m., we're going to have a service, a Christmas Eve service. It's going to be a candlelight service. It's going to be communion service. It's really going to be amazing. And it's only going to be an hour long. I really, really want to encourage all of you to come out. I want you to invite your family and friends. Say, hey, I know we do tradition. We have get-together for dinner. But, man, we could give God an hour, six to seven, and then you guys go all and have all of your Christmas festivities. I hope you'll join us. It's going to be a great time of gathering under the roof, but mainly the covering of God. Amen? So I hope that you're going to be here. Those of you watching online, I hope you'll come and join us that night, uh, Friday night, 6 p.m., Friday night, 6 p.m., Friday night, what time? Yeah. I hope you're going to be here. It's going to be a lot, a lot of fun. It's going to be wonderful. Hey, well, let's get into the Word, guys. I've been doing this sermon series called For the Joy of It. And we've been looking at the book of Philippians. We didn't go verse by verse, but we were going kind of section by section. And we find ourselves in the last part of Philippians chapter 4. And the Apostle Paul is writing, and he's writing from prison. He was a very wealthy man at one time, and now he left everything. He left the position he had as a Pharisee. He left the position he had on the Sanhedrin Sanhedrin court. He left his position he had as a leading Jew and teacher. And now, all of a sudden, here he finds himself in jail for preaching the gospel, But while he was preaching the gospel, he didn't have money to function. He didn't have money to exist. So he used to make tents for a living. He was a tent maker. And that's why when someone's bivocational, they go, what's your tent making job? Meaning, what's the job aside from the ministry that you do? And he was a tent maker. And he was writing the church and he's writing them from jail, and he's writing them in a broken time, and they're confused, and they're hurting in the church of Philippi. So they're the Philippians, and and, and he's writing to them, and he's trying to teach them how to be content. He's trying to teach them how to be satisfied with the things they have. He's trying to teach them how to be rich in the Lord, not in stuff, but in his spirit, in his presence. So I'm going to be in Philippians chapter 4, verse 10 through 20. And it says, How I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know that you have always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. Hear me. He says, I learned to be content with whatever I have. He goes, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. For I can do everything. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. 
Even so, you have done well to share with me in my present difficulty. As you know, you Philippians are the only ones who gave me financial help when I first brought you the good news and then traveled on from Macedonia. No other church did this. Even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent help more than once. I don't say this because I want a gift from you. Rather, I want you to receive a reward for your kindness. At the moment, I have all I need and more. I am generously supplied with the gifts that you sent with Ephroditus. They are a sweet-smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Now all glory to God, our Father, forever and ever. Amen. Lord, help us to grab hold of an attitude like Paul. That God, he knew he was rich in the Lord, whether he had much or little, full or empty. He was rich. And I pray we can learn to live like that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Man, if, you know, I don't know about you. I was talking to a friend of mine, and, and he was saying, you know, when, when we look back at life now that we're adults, a lot of us realize that we grew up poor. I don't know if you've ever realized that. Look, we, we had a family of seven, okay? And I'll never forget when we lived in Laredo, Texas, we had a one-bedroom house, seven people in a one-bedroom house. So you walked into the living room, and we had a living room, you know, sofa, TV, and chair, and stuff. And then what was the dining room, my mom and dad just put up a curtain, and that became my sister's bedroom. And then you'd get to the kitchen, and they put a table in the kitchen, so they'd put it up in, in the corner, they'd pull it out when we ate, and then pushed it back. Now, so to get to the kitchen, you had to go through my sister's bedroom. Then what was the washroom my dad put the washing machine outside in the backyard. They used to hang the clothes, and he put a set of bunk beds, and the bunk beds, I slept on the top, my sister slept on the bottom, and it, it ate up so much of that room, you had to walk sideways to get to the back door. And then my mom and dad had the bedroom, and my little brother, who was just born, slept in a crib in the room with them. And when I think back on that, I go, man, seven people in a one-bedroom house. Some of you have had that. You know what that's like. And we didn't think of us being as poor. We just, that was life, man. We always had food on the table. Well, it was just being the tortillas. You always had something to eat. You had bologna. We knew how to eat bologna all kinds of ways. Cold bologna, fried bologna, chopped up bologna and eggs. Come on, you all know what I'm talking about. I used to joke around. Because I'd be the one, my mom would say, Andale, mijito, haz la mesa, make the, you know, set the table. And I'd be over there setting the plates, and my sister goes, what are we eating? I go, we're eating round steak. <laughs> that was bologna. <laughs> or sometimes it was weenies. 
So I tell you, it was round steak. <laughs> we didn't eat a lot of meat. I don't know if you guys grew up like that. It's, but you never suffered. We didn't sit there. Oh, man, uh. I remember one of my neighbors. They used to have meat and potatoes almost every single day. And he'd come out chewing on the meat going, oh, we had steak again. And we're going, wow. We have steak maybe once a month. You know what I mean? But we never complained. It was just life. We thought we were rich. We thought, man, we have all kinds of stuff. We never lacked anything. And this is what Paul's trying to grab a hold of our mind and our heart and saying, don't you understand how rich you are in the Lord? Don't you understand all the riches he's given you? Don't you understand all the things he has poured out to you? And here you sit there and whine and cry and cry and whine. So if you and I are really going to understand the richness of God and how rich we are in the Lord, the first thing we have to do is be careful not to get caught up in the trap of pursuing worldly wealth. A lot of people get trapped up in that. Oh, if I just have that, if I just have this, if I just have that, if I just have this. you got to have name brand stuff. I'm not sitting here, but I never had name brand stuff. I always wanted a pair of Levi's, real Levi's, with the little red tag in the back that said Levi. I never had a pair of Levi's. Then I finally went to work, and I was working, and I worked at a clothing store. And they had Levi's, and back in those days, it was a big bell. Some of you are old enough to remember big bell. There were big old monster bells on the bottom. You had platform shoes. You thought you were all bad, you know? So I saved my money to get me a pair of Levi pants. Now, at the same clothing store, it was called National Shirt Shops. They even had one here in Albuquerque. I was in El Paso, but they had generic. They had their brand Levi's. And they were literally more than half the price lower. And I bought my pair of Levi's, and I put them on, and I was like, orale, finally, I've arrived. And I realized, man. I spent more than twice as much as though I could have got two pair and still had change left. What kind of an idiot am I? So I went back to the generic kind because they looked just as good and then they were a lot cheaper. Because I started learning, you know what? It's not about name, it's not about stuff. Some people, oh I have to have Nike, I have to have, I have to have, I have to have Under Armour or Adidas or man. They have tennis shoes that are eight, nine hundred dollars. $1,200. I don't even know how to pronounce them. Yeses or yesy, yesy, yes, I don't know, man. Some famous guy, he used to be married to one of the Kardashians. What's his name? He's the one that put those shoes together. What's his name? Kanye, Kanye. And, then, and those, I looked up those tennis shoes. The cheap ones were $800. I go, orale. I'll be paying for that for two years. By the time I get them, they're outdated. <laughs> it's like, why do we get caught up in that? People get caught up in wanting worldly wealth. Look what I have. Look, there's nothing wrong with having a bracelet or a nice watch. Or, there's nothing wrong with any of those things. There's not even anything wrong with having fancy tennis shoes. If you can afford it. But some people spend their money on trying to show off and look what I got, 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 and they don't have anything. 
They can't pay the light. They can't pay the gas. They're always having to hide the car because they don't want to get repossessed. I've lived like that before. I got home from work one day. My car was gone. I go, wait, there's our car. That's car Cindy drives. Where's the other car? I walk in the house. I go, hey, Cindy, where's the car? She goes, they took it. I go, who took it? She goes, they repossessed it. You haven't made the payment. I go, oh, yeah, I've been drinking and partying every day. I was. I was drinking and partying every day. Say, yeah, 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 I got it, got it, got it, got it. I didn't have it because I was trying to be someone that I wasn't. Have you ever been there? Have you ever tried to impress people? Have you ever tried to show something that you get so caught up in worldly wealth that you end up spiraling out of control? Let me tell you something. Let me tell you how pursuing wealth can take you under. First of all, it can lead to greed. You could get greedy, which will never be satisfied. You have it and you want more. You have it and you want more. You have it and you want more. You're never satisfied. You keep gotta, you gotta get more and more and more. And it's like you're never satisfied and you're constantly pursuing. You're like the dog chasing his tail. It's destructive. Or it can lead to debt, which will enslave us. Man, haven't you ever been in debt where you're like, it's like the bumper sticker. I owe, I owe, so off to work I go. It's like, man, it's like, goodness gracious. It's, we're, we're just trapped. It, and right now during Christmas, some people are like, oh, what are we going to do? I, I got to go get a title loan to pay to get Christmas. Have Christmas without getting in debt. Just enjoy each other. That's why we give tamales. That way we have something to unwrap. <laughs> but I'll get inside, man. Tamales, orale. Because we get so caught up and there has to be something fancy and something with name and, oh, Lord Jesus, help us get out of that trap. Or it could lead us to anxiety. Some people are all stressed out because they're afraid they might lose what they have. It's never secure. They're watching the stock market. Yeah, I hope, I hope it doesn't crash. I hope it doesn't crash. Look, I've got a small retirement. I don't have a very large retirement. I started real late in life, and I started retirement. And then 9-11 came, and I lost almost everything. I go, well, I didn't have anything anyway, so let's start all over. <laughs> because, see, if you put your trust in the wrong things, you're always stressed out. You're always stressed out. Look. When we were at the church in the South Valley, there's a sister that hadn't come to church in a long time. And I go, you know, I haven't seen her at church in a long time. Is everything okay? She goes, man, they broke into our house so much. We're exhausted. The only thing left we have is our TV. And my husband said, if they steal that TV, I'm going to kill you, babe. You better stay home and guard the TV. But she gave a testimony that night. I want to thank the Lord because you know what? They've stolen everything. The only thing we have left is our TV. But I just said, God, you take care of the TV. And I said, I'm going to church tonight. As she said that and she sat down, somebody walked in and they whispered in her ear. And she goes, ah, they just stole the TV. And I said, pobrecita, man. 
So I, she goes, Pastor, would you please take me home and you and Sister Cindy because I'm afraid my husband might kill me or something. So we take her home and we pull up and I parked kind of in the back of her house and when I park in the back, I go, hey, what's that under that tarp? And I look under the tarp, there's her TV. Someone had hit it. They were going to come back, I guess, for it later. And about that time, her husband got there. And he goes, hey, that's a great idea, babe. Thanks for hiding the TV under the tarp so you could go to church. And I was like, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> but see, we get so caught up into our stuff that we won't live. I can't go to church. Someone might break in. We have Christmas gifts under the tree. They might come in. They might do, they might. But oh my goodness. Look what it says in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 9 and 10. But people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all evil. Money is not the root of all evil. The love of money is. It's the root of all evil. And some people craving money have wandered from their the true faith and have pierced themselves with many sorrows. He said some people have even left the faith because of money. They're so in the money that money is more important than worshiping God. Money is more important than coming in and saying, thank you for what you've provided. Money is more important than saying, God, I wouldn't have anything without you. Thank you, God. And yet, they give it all up and they walk away. And they go, what's God done anyway? I'm the one that gets up every day. I'm the one that goes to work. I'm the one that's done everything. Well, if God takes away what's his, guess what? (laughs) You don't even have a life. You don't have air, you don't have oxygen, you don't have nothing. Because all things are come from above. So we got to understand that pursuing worldly wealth can kill you. There's nothing wrong with having it. But there's something bad about it having you. The second thing we need to look at, if we're going to be rich in the Lord, is realize how rich you already are. How rich you really are. Look, being rich is about perspective, not possessions. I really mean it. I did not know we were poor. My parents never sat around saying, we're poor, we're poor. They just, they, they did the best they could to keep a roof over our head, food on the table, clothes on our back, place to sleep, and for us to go off to school. They worked hard. They worked hard for us, and I've tried to work hard for my family, and, and now they're working hard for their family, and, and, and on and on. And many of you have done the same thing, but let me tell you something. We have to understand that we're rich. It's our perspective on seeing things. My kids, now that they have their own family, I'll never forget, I used to have three part-time jobs plus pastoring the church, and, and I, was, I was working this job and that job and that job, and and, and we had our kids in a private Christian school. And Cindy's working, and I'm working, and, and I'm pastoring. And, man, we're, and, and sometimes early in the morning, my wife would go, okay, because she'd go to work real early, and she goes, you're taking the kids to school. Make sure they eat something. 
Sometimes we'd stop over, we'd stop at 7-Eleven. And we'd stop at 7-Eleven and they used to sell these uh, German chocolate brownies. And, and, man, I didn't have any money. And they took checks in those days. And a check would take three days to clear the bank. So I used to go, okay, if I write the check today, they'll put it in. And you know what? I'll have money by then. So I would write a check for two brownies and two chocolate milks. <laughs> you know? And that was a lot of money when you don't have money. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. And our kids look back now and they go, and Dad, you used to buy us brownies and chocolate milk, Dad. Did you even have the money you'd write, pay with a check? I go, no, man. I go, one time that stupid check bounced. I had to pay $25 for two brownies and two chocolate milks. <laughs> it was like, what, what am I doing? Realize how rich you already are. Realize the things God has blessed you with. Realize the things you have. You have your health. You have your family. My son goes, Dad, now I understand what you mean, that the greatest gift you'd like to have is just peace of mind. To just be able to sit back and go, thank you, God. My family's all alive. They're healthy. They're doing good. My son's not really healthy. He got in that horrible wreck. He's all jacked up. He just got back from Lubbock today from seeing his doctor. And they, they said, no, we're not going to do another surgery. But, man, you gotta, he still has a long road to go. But you know, he's alive. I go, thank you, God, he's alive. My daughter moved to El Paso with her husband and kids. And we miss them like crazy. But they're doing phenomenal. And I told my wife, Remember when we got married? Seven months later, we got up and hightailed it a thousand miles away from home because I took a job and, and man, you supported me and we were away from the family. I go, now I understand how our parents felt, but you know what? My parent, my dad and my mom was gone, but my dad, my dad supported us and her parents supported the move and, and they gave us a platform to succeed. Those are the riches that I had. You have riches. You have parents that believe in you. Parents that stand with you. They stand on their knees with you, praying for you, standing there fighting for you, believing in you, being there for you, caring for you, caring for your kids and helping. You have riches far than you even think. And we get all caught up sometimes in stuff. But I gotta have this, I gotta have this, and there's not even stuff to buy in the stores right now. They had stuff, and that stuff went right away. My wife hadn't even done shopping. We went shopping last night. Here we are at 10 o'clock at night. I go, wow, this is a weird time to shop. She goes, it's the only time we've had all week. And we're shopping there at 10 o'clock at night, 11 o'clock at night. We go to Walmart last night at, at, at 10.55. As we're walking up, they go, the store will be closing in five minutes. I go, okay, Walmart doesn't even stay open 24 hours anymore. <laughs> you know what? It doesn't matter. Because my family has so much stuff as it is. See, we have to focus on what's real, what's rich, the things we already have. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 6 and 8 through 8, he says, Yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. 
After all, we bought nothing with us. Listen, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world. And we can't take anything with us when we leave it. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. Look, a lot of us have stuff to eat at the house. It's just nothing that looks attractive. (laughs) Haven't you opened the refrigerator? There's food in there, but you're like, well, we don't have anything to eat. Yes, you do. You just don't have anything you feel like eating. Right? (laughs) I'm not hungry after all. (laughs) Because you're like, oh, what a drag. See, we have to understand how rich we are. We have to understand how blessed we are. We have to understand how wonderful God is. And bringing to the third thing I want to say is becoming generous with what we have. We need to become generous with what God has given us, with what, what we have. We need to be generous. You know what? We're not a rich church. I mean, I'm sure there's some families in our church that do really well, but the majority of us, are, we're just a, a blue-collar, white-collar church. But you know what? You'd never know it because this is a generous church. We just helped out 400 Angel Tree kids. We helped out 400 kids at God's Warehouse. We helped out another 100 kids in Clovis. We helped out our own family. Some of you guys have your house. Look, I was talking to a friend of mine. And he said, man, we always had someone staying at our house. Now, he has five brothers and sisters. So there was six kids in my family. There were six, but one sister died. So there was five of us. But we always had someone living with us. I don't know if any of you were like that. I don't know if it's a Chicano thing or what. But we were Mexicans from Mexico. My cousins would come from Mexico. And my mom would go, mira, mijito, vas a dormir en el sofá. Which means, hey, son, you're going to be sleeping on the sofa. Why? Your cousin Beto's here. Well, can't Beto sleep in the sofa? Oh, <laughs> like, why am I sleeping on the sofa? How long is Beto going to be here? Six months. Oh, man. Come on, did anyone have, did that happen to anybody? So one time we had so many people living at our house, my dad set up a tent in the backyard. Six of us were living in the tent. It wasn't like, oh, this is fun. We're camping out. No, this is where you're going to live, mijo. That's where you're going to live because your primo and tios and tias are all here. And you're like, oh, my goodness gracious. What's going on here? But you know what? It, It wasn't like, man, we weren't rich, but we were generous with what we had. My mom would, she taught us how to give and give and give. That's why it's been easy for me to learn how to give. My children are teaching, they're learning how to give. I told you my grandson the other day, where we were, I was driving him back to El Paso and, and we stopped in Socorro. And there was this homeless guy sitting there and my grandson walks up to him. I gave him 10 bucks. He's a 16-year-old kid. He doesn't have a job. He had earned it cleaning my yard. I gave him some money to have a little bit of spending money and gave half of it to the guy. I'm going, Miko, you don't have to give him that much. I'll, I'll help him. No, Grandpa, I really believe that that's what God wanted me to do. I'm like, man, thank you, Lord. He's learning how to be generous. He's learning how to give. We need to become generous with the things God has given us. 
Not be hoarders, but givers. Pouring it out. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1-4 through says this, and now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. They're being tested by many troubles and they are very poor, but they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more, and they did it with their own free will. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. So these guys aren't even rich, but they're going, man, can we help out more? Can we please give more? I'm glad we have that heart. Matter of fact, this Friday night is our Christmas Eve service, and we're going to have a Christmas offering, and we're going to do it again on Sunday, and this Christmas offering goes to the missionaries, and it really goes straight into the field, and there's a lot of missionaries around the world, some that are being persecuted, some that are being threatened with their life, some that have been beat up, some that have been really, really in serious situations, and we're able to help them and support them and minister to them and and send a gift of love to say, guess what? You're not out there alone. We're with you. And I pray that we'll be generous. And I bring you to the fourth thing is that we need to cultivate a wealth. You've got to cultivate a wealth that you hold in your heart, not in your hand. Something that you hold deep in your heart. Something that you go, Lord, thank you. You're teaching me to give. You're teaching me what really means something, what's worth. Something that is really going to be life-changing. Lord, you're teaching me the things that are important. Not the things that I have, but the things that you have and you've given to me so that I could give to others. You cherish them in your heart and you go, thank you, Lord, for the things I'm able to give. Thank you, Lord, for the things I'm able to do. Thank you, Lord, for how we're able to help. A lady came by yesterday, brokenhearted, in a really bad situation. And someone had called me and they said, hey, we have a shipment of some stuff. Can you come and pick it up? And we sent a team of some people to pick up some stuff. And in this shipment, they gave us a bunch of toys and a Christmas tree. And they just gave us a bunch of stuff. And all of a sudden, this lady shows up broken and saying, someone told me that your church might be able to help me. We go, what's going on? She says, I've inherited my grandchildren, my nieces. And I don't have anything to give them. I go, hey, we just got this shipment. Come see. And she's like, oh, my gosh, and this and that and this and that. And we, the tree, and we just gave her everything we had just got. The thing that came in one door went out the other. And she was like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe how generous you all are. And we had a food basket. Thing. She goes, do you think you have any food? And they go, you know what? Somebody dropped off a turkey. Here's a turkey. And we made another food basket. We had already given out a Christmas food basket. But we were able to put one together because, you know what? Our church knows how to give wealth from our heart, not from our hands. We need to understand that. We need to understand that. Because that's what's real. 
And I really want to encourage you to be rich in the Lord. Because at this time of the year, sometimes we lose our focus and we think it's all about stuff. I know stuff matters a lot, especially to our children. It doesn't matter a whole lot to mom and dad. Well, and even though it does, but we're willing to sacrifice as long as our kids have something. But you know what? Teach them that the greatest thing you have is each other. And the greatest gift you could have is Jesus Christ in your household. To teach them the riches. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 and 20, it says, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. But look at verse 33. So seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And he, God, Jesus, will give you everything you need. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. That's what we need to do. God so loves the world that he gave his only son, his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God is saying, don't you understand the riches you have in me? We're rich in the Lord. I pray that you embrace that richness, that you embrace that wealth, and you live it out for the glory of God. And then that you share that wealth with others. I just want to pray with you tonight. And I don't know where you stand with the Lord. I don't know if you've ever surrendered your heart. I don't know what you're still looking for, but I'm telling you, you'll find everything in him. He'll give you peace. He'll give you peace that surpasses all understanding. He'll give you joy. Joy that's unspeakable. Joy that's uncomparable. Joy that lasts forevermore. That gives you strength in the middle of the storm. You'll find a love that's genuine. You'll find a hope that's real. So if you don't know Jesus Christ and you want to know him and you want to receive him, raise your hand and say, I've never prayed to you, Lord. I've never prayed to receive you. But tonight, Lord, I want to cry out to you. So pastor, that's me. If you want to receive Christ and you never have, raise your hand and say, that's me, pastor. I, I, I really want to do that. Anyone here tonight? Then what I want to do is pray with us. We want to pray for one another. I don't know where you are. I don't know how tormented you are because you have your focus on all the wrong things and it's emptied you and you came to total just brokenness. And you thought you had everything, but in reality you had nothing. And now that you have nothing, you're finding out that you have everything. And so maybe you just want to make things right. Maybe you want to come up to the altar to say, God, I don't want to ever lose it again. I want to pray for my family. I want to pray for my spouse. I want to pray for my children. I don't know what God's laid on your heart, and I don't know what you might be going through, but if you need prayer, I encourage you to come up. 
There's a young lady in our church that's pregnant and she went into surgery yesterday because she had to have an ovary removed because it had a mass and they found out it's cancer. She's a young woman, a young woman. She was able to keep her baby and we're so grateful for that. But we're believing now that God's going to completely touch Gina and heal her body. I don't know what you're going through, but if you want prayer, make your way up and prayer team, come up and pray with people. Stand in the gap with them. Believe that God's going to do a work. All just cry out to God right now. Say, God, I need you, and I'm emptying myself. I'm pouring myself out. I really, really need you. I don't want to run away from you. I want to run right to you. So ask God to fill you. Ask God to minister to you. Ask God to comfort you. Ask God to seal his spirit into you. That he would seal his love into your heart. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Father, I want to thank you for what you're doing in our life. I want to thank you, Father God, that at times we feel empty. We feel that we're completely broke or bankrupt. We have nothing left. Yet, Lord, when all we have left is you, we find out that you are more than enough. Father God, I pray for every man and woman, every father, mother, every husband, wife, every child, every person in this room and those watching online, that Lord, you help them settle that urgency within them that they need to have more and that they'll understand that you are more than enough. Father God, I pray that you meet needs, Lord God, and people that are crying out and needing more of you, that God, they can find that you are more than enough, that they can find a satisfaction that eases their mind and their soul in Christ Jesus. So, Father God, strengthen us, encourage us. Lord, let us celebrate tonight that we are rich in the Lord and in the power of his might. Oh, Father God, thank you for what you do in our lives. Thank you for what you've done. And, Father, we pray blessing. And we pray this, Lord, in the glorious name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, the risen King, and people of God say amen. Praise God. Church, this concludes the service. Thank you for coming out tonight. I really, really hope that you're going to come out Friday at 6 p.m. Have an amazing, amazing Christmas as people remain praying. Leave quietly. You're dismissed to go serve the Lord. God bless you.